Hey guys, if you feel so inclined, we are looking for topics. What we'd like for you to do is rate us five stars and pitch us a topic. We'll shout you out and your topic on the next episode. And if we use your topic on an actual series, we will give you full credit for pitching it, not for doing the research. We're going to be doing the research. Right, Seth? Yeah. Please give us topics. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's a scam to get topics and ratings. (laughs) We are out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't tell them that. (laughs) On today's episode. Forbidden fruit. Nacho Nana's banana. And don't open that briefcase. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. What's my thesis? What's my thesis? What's my thesis? Welcome to What's My Thesis, where a kid can be a kid. I'm Javier Proenza. And this is Seth Lauer. We're Los Angeles-based artists who meet every week to share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldviews through research and ask, what's my thesis? So do you have a check-in? <sighs> I always forget. I always have like a million things that I could check in. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have something? Well, the concert I went to last night was kind of interesting. Interesting is not good. I'm not saying it wasn't good. Um, but so I don't, I didn't, I went to this show not knowing anything about the musician. Uh huh. It's a really cool venue. It's in Koreatown. It's this old church. Okay. Uh, that was, I think it was built in the like 1920s. Okay and ancient had, yeah ancient by american standards they've had other shows there like mount erie and uh, i have not been enjoying mount erie's new new uh i don't know if it's an ep or or not the it's just sad one the, just the one that just came out like the, the i just saw it and i listened to i saw it on a uh, magazine i don't know if maybe i'm thinking of the microphones one that was about his wife dying okay yeah, no, uh, I don't want to disparage that one. No, this one's just a little too much him playing the guitar and talking through it, like, mm-hmm. and telling stories. But, you know, he does that to great effect in other cases, but I, I couldn't get into it. Maybe mm-hmm. I was just not in the mood for it either. No. <laughs> so this guy, Nils Fram, it's a German, like, electronic uh, piano, keyboard, organ mm-hmm. guy. Um, it was just weird coming into a show where... I had no idea who this guy was, but everyone there, or a lot of people there knew yeah. his songs, right? I feel like Were they singing along? Maybe I can't, maybe they're more compositions or something. There's, there's no lyrics, it's all okay. instrumental stuff. I don't know how they... <laughs> they're going, beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> But they would get really excited and applaud and sometimes stand up like when a certain track oh, would start yeah, yeah so they yeah. obviously recognized it you know? yeah yeah and then at the end he he played his quote like most popular <laughs> 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 but it had kind of like craft work elements and it had 
everything more electronic sounds too and like little bits of i don't know like autecker but also at times like r&b piano or jazz piano like more classical kind of stuff and so it's this weird like crossover thing Uh and it was just it was kind of like bizarre to show up and just be like oh like you just join a cult and you're like oh i'm the only one not wearing (laughs) a a robe (laughs) (laughs) yes i get it where do they find out about this it's i don't know good branding i guess i don't know i don't know how that happens yeah, no idea. We're also not people that are actively discovering new music. We kind of just listen to a lot of the That's same true. old stuff. Yeah. We're going to see the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So judge us if you need to. <laughs> but I was thinking that that's hilarious because they're, we've reached the point where we're, you know, back when we were kids, it was the Rolling Stones and a bunch of old people would go listen to them <laughs> and, and reminisce about their glory days. And I feel like that's what the smashing pumpkins show is for kind us of so yeah that generational thing i mean old cello was the big what was that like close oh, to a year ago old old cello old cello that's what people called it the spin-off of coachella that had mostly aging classic rock artists like rolling stones i think were there okay. neil young paul mccartney was that the actual name of the thing <laughs> no it's like desert something i'm sure and they were like yeah Ocella. old cello <laughs> nice so yeah uh, anything to add no i think we're done cool take a little break we'll be back in a moment how are you on your food timer should we pause or do you want to 10 minutes what is your food by the way gonna be a steak pie (laughs) (laughs) so now you see why i smiled when you asked (laughs) i lit up i was like oh yeah (laughs) is that like a pot pie with steak uh you'll see it it's it's a very british thing like that does that that is like one of those things that doesn't seem like it makes sense but it's just a pastry that it's like uh it's kind of like i realized that it's just uh, a british empanada hmm. you know like yeah. with a different structure but it's basically bread pastry bread with meat in it mm-hmm. okay it's pretty good two essential elements yes steak and ale pie or it's a stout steak and ale pie or i don't know it's some trader joe shit but seeing as you don't eat meat <laughs> it's like such a festive way to eat it <laughs> sticking it between other things yeah i mean i do that with eggs i get it yeah you make an egg pie i make egg sandwiches egg sandwiches that sounds really good. good yeah yeah i dated a girl that called those um chicken periods cool uh, <laughs> i'm just saying do you want me to stop eating eggs <laughs> I'll leave nothing for you to eat. (laughs) (laughs) So it's good that we started on the food angle since my topic is about fruit. So I'll start off asking you, what is your favorite fruit? Um, It's hard to say because the first thing that came to my mind. Don't say apple. (laughs) No, is it it, actually no apple. I, I get uninspired by I was going to say like the the fruit tarts 
where they have like all the fruits and then they have a, a custard at the bottom and like that's my favorite fruit that's not actually a fruit right? i know <laughs> it's a fruit it's assortment of fruit on pastry but that's like where my <laughs> where my heart went when you said fruit do you, you do eat things without pastry involved, <laughs> no, <right? laughs> I don't. that's my new diet <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, no. It would probably I would have to say oranges just because of how much I eat them and grapes. Hmm. Okay, but I really like watermelon. You know, I think that those choices are based on frequency and convenience. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I don't always want to cut a watermelon. Yeah, well, convenience I think is one of the major factors in us having access to the fruits that we do have access to right because most of these fruits are not from the region the u.s yeah yeah well oranges have pretty much been i used to live in florida and over here they're mm-hmm. big so they're big in california i was amazed i started looking just out of curiosity thinking about the history of trading mm-hmm. fruits like how certain fruits get established in different areas and um I found it kind of shocking how many fruits originated in some part of Asia. It was like yeah, 80 or 90% of the fruits that we know started there and just kind of tapped into these different trade routes. Okay. Even things like the banana that we would think of as being more of a tropical Latin American or yeah. tropical thing. That came out. They, 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 that was I just... think it was originally um, North, like East Asian somewhere. I want to say China Asian? maybe. Yeah. So it wasn't even like tropical. I don't know. Are part are southern China considered like semi-tropical or something? Maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. Anywho, um, wait. India's in the southern hemisphere, correct? Yeah, South Asian. I think that would be. Would that be tropical? <laughs> Let's just. Uh, <laughs> we're showing our naivete again about world geography. geography. It's How's we know that? it's not in the southern hemisphere, guys. The world that you've been to? Yeah. Everywhere I've visited. You've never been in the southern hemisphere? No. Ever. Dude. Is it cool? I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> Gatekeeper. <laughs> Bro, you haven't lived until you've seen a toilet flush backwards. <laughs> in the hot winter. Oh, that actually sounds like fun. I mean, psh, I, I don't need to. I mean, lived in Miami, dude. <laughs> it's you not from Miami to Los Angeles. You yeah, so, hot winter. Yeah, hot winter is kind of what I've gotten accustomed to. It sounds like a really saucy hot book, winter. Though, hot winter. Yeah. How's that steak pie coming along? Steak pie is coming uh, in fifty seconds. No, in a minute uh, fifty. Okay. Cool, cool. Well, all right. So I got back into the world of myths a little bit. Okay. And we'll see how this relates to the episode that we still haven't released about the power of myth. The Joseph we'll stop Campbell. doing that. <laughs> we will at some point release it. Are you familiar with the story of the... Wait, what was the right answer for what, what your favorite fruit is? Banana. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... What's your favorite fruit? Another question is, what fruit would you like to be made available in your region that is not, or that is not as delicious as you would like it to be? I'm going to interpret, I'm not exactly sure what you just said, but I'm going to interpret it and say that 
Uh, I've noticed that cantaloupe doesn't always taste the best everywhere you go. Hmm. And I wish cantaloupe tasted good always good everywhere. Juicy. Yeah. But sometimes you get a good juicy cantaloupe here, right? Yeah, you do. No, I, that's why I didn't say specifically LA. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wish uh, Mexicans didn't like their mangoes so ripe because every time I go find, try to get mango, it's very different. Like the, oh really? Yeah. They or, or sorry, not ripe, uh, underripe. They like it a more little crunchy. Yeah, more but crunchy. But I think that actually is an issue. So mango is a good example. We're we like, really gonna be talking about food all fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> go, go. <laughs> not just food, but also <laughs> Jesus. Also, like <laughs> metaphors uh. and religion and myth. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, this is going to be exhausting. <laughs> Four hour fruit podcast. <laughs> All right, go on. You're trolling me now. <laughs> so, like, I've traveled a little bit um, throughout Asia, and some of the fruit that is really tasty in Taiwan. You cannot find good examples of in Los Angeles. And I think mango is one of those where you can get okay mango here, but compared to mango in Taiwan, it's like a different thing. And I've also had these like these mangoes that are called Haitian mangoes where you crack the top and you suck it out. Hmm. Like it's like liquidy. Yeah, I guess it just becomes like pulpy. Oh, okay. So you just crack it and then you suck the juice out, but like some of the pulp comes out too. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, like how mangoes are stringy. Yeah. But uh, Miami's got good mangoes. Oh, really? We okay. used to have mango trees and stuff mm. uh, available. Uh, but also papayas, it's hard to get. Yeah, um, papayas also guavas. good in Miami. Guava's good in Miami. I can occasionally find a cherimoya, but it's cherimoya. nowhere. Yeah, ice cream fruit. For a while, you my, have blown my fucking mind. For someone that likes pastries <laughs> with their fruit, there's an ice cream fruit. Yes, it's a, it's a gateway fruit, really, for people who like ice cream. <laughs> okay. Or pastries. All right. There's also a bread apple. Maybe that would be a good introduction. For yeah. You okay. Um, or a wax apple for people who like wax. Wax, but that's not like an actual apple. That's just like a. It's decorative. a really tasty fruit. No, is it for real? It's something real called fruit. a wax apple. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it looks a little different. Um, when did you become? Oh, you're vegetarian, so I'm guessing you. This is why you know so much about fruit. Just a couple years ago, my wife and I got into this thing of new fruit, like okay. testing new fruit. Always testing when we <laughs> <laughs> in our laboratory, yes, so to speak, we'll go to a different country and test their local produce. Okay. And such a weird, still, I don't know about the test. (laughs) Try. Did I say testament taste? Okay. (laughs) Taste test. Okay. And sometimes we ran out because locally we would, you know, we went to a lot of different, like different markets, Korean markets, um, trying fruit that's only available in, in one like ethnic sort of, um, neighborhood. Okay. Um, like certain kinds of, uh, pears or certain kinds of melons i've had pears just, and melons but i haven't had that kind of pear i always melon, get nervous right? when you use the word ethnic i don't know i don't know what <laughs> i saw you kind of like yeah. gr- grimace a little bit like i was like is, where's this going is that even a like a term that we should use anymore no. I, I don't know <laughs> no well here's like um, steak pie 
Steak pie's ready. Yeah. Uh, no, no. It was <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> I'm going to set it on the windowsill. <laughs> but here, do you want to describe That is actually, it looks more like a dessert. Yeah. And it smells good. Hold on. Let me sit down so I don't make noise. It smells good. Here, let me open it up for you. This has gone full on NPR cooking show. Wow, that looks great. It looks like in the shape of a... Uh, like a lava cake, a little mini lava cake that's crusty on the outside. And then I had no idea you had this like culinary sophistication. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna it take does look like a pot pie on the inside. It has, I'm assuming those are potatoes and carrots. Yes. Some kind of root. It might be a turnip, maybe. It smells good. Savory. Mm-hmm. Looks like a pasty, too. You ever had a pasty? No, but let's continue because I can't eat on the air. So, okay, just to wrap the the fruit discussion before we move into more heady topics. Hey, uh, we apologize for that drill, guys. <laughs> it's pretty Neighbor's annoying. a dentist. Yeah. Experimenting on... Well, we do have a dungeon kids. here. Wait, what? Experimenting on poor kids? Neighbor kids. <laughs> I don't know what's more terrifying. <laughs> We're more sinister. The fruit thing. So, you know, we end up, we go to the market here. In most cases, we see apples, bananas, oranges, grapes, lemons, the usual suspects, right? Mm -hmm. And so my question was, how did we end up? I just up pictured a very adorable lineup. <laughs> <laughs> With fruit heads. Yeah. And, and the uh, bananas saying, give me the fucking keys, you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, part of the thing you can imagine is shipping. How well do these fruit hold up? as mm -hmm. they're shipped right how easily how cheaply can they be produced do they get frozen in transit i mean some fruits you only really find in the freezer aisle right i mean like mm -hmm. in some parts of the country i imagine some parts of the world more we went to iceland i think i already told you this without knowing it i bought like a 12 dollar banana oh yeah i think so because like who would ever think that bananas are expensive but they're like cents iceland, over they're, here iceland they cost cents. <laughs> Less oh, yeah. than a dollar. Less, like, not even worth, So like, one banana, not a bundle. Well, no, it was probably, like, a five. Five bundle. bundle That's five. still pretty expensive. Super expensive. Yeah. Um, have but, you had a square watermelon? I'm not sure that I have, but I've seen pictures. They just grow them into boxes? What's the deal? I think so. Okay. And they take the shape. It's, that's not genetically modified, technically. It's just... No. That'd they, be awesome if you could gen genetically modify something to have sharp edges. <laughs> so it cuts you when you eat it. <laughs> no, just like humans now become like 1980s cars <laughs> instead of being all like uh, biomorphic. Transformers kind of thing. Yeah, you just have a crease. I was picturing like a star fruit, but you can throw it. And oh, like I like, I like the violence. People. Yeah. Are you a kung fu movie guy at all? Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed um, this one... Um, so no no not particularly <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh bruce lee and chuck norris thing where they're in the coliseum oh i don't know the name of the movie but that is that is a good one yeah with the cats you know i did not think you were gonna go so classic when you said this one 
Where, where do you think I was going? I don't know. Just like something you saw recently. I thought that was the only. <laughs> when was the last time that you watched a kung fu movie, Seth? That was the last time. <laughs> okay, so the answer is no. Established. Yeah, I'm more of a samurai. Well, okay. just add it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Maybe you've watched more Seven Samurai kind of movies. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Have you seen the the Thirteen Assassins? Oh yeah. Oh, that one's pretty good. But like back it. to fruit. Um, so okay, bananas. Bananas Any other are, fruit are you can interesting. <laughs> <laughs> bananas are interesting for many reasons, but one thing is because the poet Basho was named after bananas. I'm not apparently. familiar, but that's a great name. Okay. Where's he from? Japan. Okay. Um, so your pronunciation <laughs> did not indicate to me that it was Japanese. I don't know how I would. Do <laughs> I don't know, but I just imagined a guy who bashes things who might be With Italian. Bananas, yeah. <laughs> and then writes poems about it. My name is Basho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just didn't think. I've kind of, this is get getting weird. It, I feel like get you want it. to watch me eat I do. a meat pie. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's going to be cold. Let's, let's take a little break. Because I can't podcast. And um, right now what we should do is we should put that clip, <laughs> that clip of me eating <laughs> Hey. You're a rabbit. <laughs> How's that? All right. Let me just... Finish some banana talk here. <laughs> banana chat. I actually slipped on a banana peel one time. I thought that was just a cartoon thing, but I have actually done it. Like, but was it as dramatic or did you just No, it was slid? dramatic. Yeah, yeah, I slid. I can't remember Tailbone if I actually hurt? fell. So apparently there are fuzzy bananas whose skins are bubblegum pink. <laughs> there are green and white striped bananas. Are you bananas. pitching a tea kids show to me right now? <laughs> Sorry, say that whole thing again. There are fuzzy bananas whose skins are bubblegum pink. For some I think reason, I'm going to use that outlined. as my pink. I think it might be a link to a picture, which I really want to see now. That's uh, definitely something I'm going to start using on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> I assume this is true. This is from a Mike Pete article on the New Yorker. Green and white striped bananas with pulp the color of orange sherbet. Bananas that, when cooked, taste like strawberries. <laughs> Sorbet. Sorbet. Sherbet. (laughs) (laughs) As an H, look. The double Mahoy plant can produce two bunches at once. The Chinese name of one kind of banana means you can smell it from the next mountain. Other produces bunches of a thousand fingers, each only an inch long. Okay. So the point is there are thousands of varieties of bananas, but we only see typically one big yellow kind here right or maybe plantains yeah right which is more of a cooking thing i think yeah plantains if you want to hook up some plantains good you got to get them let them like really mature Mm -hmm. and then it's like a savory not so much dessert no i mean it's not savory it's not savory but yeah but it but it's eaten with everything Mm -hmm. okay so there's kind of a crazy history. So how are bananas so cheap, right? In the late 19th century, this is from the New York Times article, Yes, We Will Have No Bananas okay. by Dan Koppel. In the late 19th century... All of the stuff that you've been saying, right? All the... Um... The, the previous one is from the New Yorker. This is okay. from the New York Times. All right, cool. 
um, which I cannot remember what that actually stands for. It became Chiquita. Um, they began clearing rainforests, constructing railroads, and perfecting refrigeration techniques. As we would expect now of farm companies, pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. they engaged in marketing offensive that bought off doctors to push bananas to patients as a health food. Wow. Farm workers were, have been, and still are kept on low wages without health benefits. Every factor in their production and sale was uniform. The UFC even helped topple a democratically elected government in Guatemala in the 50s. Yeah. So because of the specific bananas, uh, the specific genetics of bananas, um, they're actually clones, apparently. Mm -hmm. The way they grow makes them very susceptible to disease. So the ones that the ones that we get in the market, the reason that we get them is because they are the least susceptible to this fungus, which wiped out many types of bananas. But how does the cloning factor in? Uh, I think because genetically they're they're more susceptible because if one plant can be affected, any any of the plants in the area can be affected. So if the clones. disease can spread yeah, okay. more quickly. So the ones that we get aren't clones? They are. They're just a different kind that is less susceptible to okay. this particular kind. So like in the um, 19th century, there was a different banana, the Gros Michel, which like our grandparents, that was the banana they knew. And apparently it was tastier, mm-hmm. but this fungus came along, wiped it out. And now we have, oh, the, the Cavendish. Cavendish banana. banana. Because sounds, it was the most resistant. Sounds like it's very charming too. And rides in on a horse with a cape. <laughs> yep. Lord Cavendish. A yellow horse. <laughs> <laughs> a banana riding a, a, a lesser banana, a plantain. <laughs> or a fuzzy pink bubblegum horse. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I just, that's just a penis. <laughs> a really fun penis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's the scary thing is that this banana, the Cavendish, is now becoming susceptible. So at some point, mm. we're going to have to worry about not having bananas or having a different kind of banana. Do you know what the new banana on the rise is? I don't. So is this something that like genetic engineering could help? I would imagine, but then you have whole other issues, right? Like yeah. a lot of people won't support that. No, I understand. I was actually very surprised to see that Bill Nye talked about that on his show, but he didn't talk about how basically it's helping monopolize food by giving people control and then lawsuits when, you know, when things cross pollinate from one piece Mm. of land to another. Didn't talk about that at all. He was just saying that like, it's the way to make huge amounts of food. So mm-hmm. I, it was just an interesting thing. It's an interesting show that he has, the one, the the Saves the World, but sometimes I'm like, mm. you're a little establishment, dude. Mm. Well, you said something about like um, uh, trademarking or something. Did I hear? Yeah. Too? Yeah. Well, if you modify, you know, a grain, you'll hold the copyright to it. And then if it 
the winds take its seeds and they land, end up growing in someone else's, then they owe them money. And so it becomes this weird mm-hmm. legal thing. Well, I just, I heard something about apples recently mm-hmm. that kind of ties into that. So apparently like, um, you know, our parents' generation growing up, they would pretty much only have access to red delicious apples, mm-hmm. which were kind of, you know, the boring apple yeah. you give a teacher is kind of mealy and not very juicy but that was just what was available how did the term mealy become the way to describe that sensation i don't know yeah how else do you say it i don't know it's, no but that's so i, I know yeah. exactly what oh it's like tomatoes can be mealy too oh. well i think of mealworm but i think that's probably the wrong it's not like a mealworm mealworm yeah. is called mealworm for the same reason which it probably eats yeah meal i guess it's yeah. like meal it's not like a mealworm yeah, it's just such a weird thing because it also means like a meal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you know, this apple, it's a little mealy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's kind of like, like food. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, someone save us. <laughs> we should get a Twitter so we specifically so we can be like tweet at us. <laughs> yeah. We'll do that. Ranchers, farmers, apple farmers, they got into... (laughs) Apple farmers. They got into um, specialty apples. A specialty market arose. (laughs) You're not helping me get out of electronics in my brain. (laughs) Apple farmers that make specialty apples. (laughs) Do they have a genius bar? A very stable one, yeah. Oh my God. Branding is so strong. Things started arising, like the the Pink Lady apple. That's an apple, okay. And which you can find at Trader Joe's. At Trader Joe's, currently, you have Pink Ladies and Fuji's and Granny Smith. I feel like apples. you've just been sitting on all this, like, fruit knowledge, and, like, today you're just like, bam, motherfucker, look at how big my dick is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally blown away. <laughs> this I'm is off like, the script. Completely. I know. <laughs> You know what they got at Trader Joe's, son. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get it. You know your fruit, bro. <laughs> I'll never offer you anything pedantic again. <laughs> but I thought it was actually kind of interesting. Um, so they would come up with these specialty apples. Mm-hmm. They would be walking around the orchard and they would, I, I'm, I think this is actually, a lot of this is being pulled from uh, Planet Money episode, so I should give them some credit there you're citing npr again i know fuck you (laughs) just let me just get it out of the system okay they would walk through the orchard and they would taste every apple an apple from every tree in the orchard and then the really special ones they would then kind of like focus on replant crossbreed whatever you call it and then they would have this new brand of apples Mm -hmm. they found that they they could not trademark or copyright the kind of apple Mm -hmm. but they could trademark the name of the apple Mm. so they could kind of have a leg up on sales for a while until the competition figured out how to produce that apple and then they would just make a similar apple with a similar name no like if there's pink in it somewhere it's gonna taste basically the same as a pink lady okay anyway it's it's interesting to think about like apples if you go to whole foods are really actually kind of expensive sometimes Mm -hmm. but they're local okay bananas are being shipped from guatemala or or ecuador and they're like dirt cheap right yeah yeah that's crazy 
Do we know why that happens? Or are you just observing it? Well, it's it's because of the trade stuff and the politics of labor and everything, but also partially how they grow. So they're, they perfected this refrigeration technique where they can very quickly and, and effectively get a bunch of bananas into uh, probably a container mm-hmm. and then ship it off. So it, the the overall cost is just so low. But that's also what makes them vulnerable to, to like disease. To diseases. Yeah. So like really we should be focusing more on my wife and I in our fruit testing. We should be focusing more on local variants. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think and, and less on like what's being shipped here from long distances, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm moving, trying different local fruit variations. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> So that was all just the intro. Okay. I'm going to bring it back around to the Bible as I am known to do. Are you? (laughs) Are you familiar with the concept of the forbidden fruit? No, of course I am. What is it? What is the forbidden fruit? It's the apple, which if we're going to go into occult symbology, makes our laptops forbidden fruit. For me, it kind of is forbidden. Yeah. Well, it's forbidden that it will fucking work sometimes. It's not always an apple, as I found. Oh, okay. So it's not just the, uh, I was going to say American myth. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's apple pie. Yeah. The Christian myth. Baseball and apple pie. According to Wiki, the there are many different takes on what was the original uh, forbidden fruit before it became popularly known as an apple. Some people think it was a grape. So this is from other myths, or this is the Christian myth that people, you, it like it got, became established that it was an apple over time? It's both, because the, the Christian myth, I would argue, from what I've heard, is generated partially from earlier Mesopotamian which ones? Okay, myths, Mesopotamian. which have a very similar scenario with the tree and a snake and okay. a man and a woman and something for I mean, that's just a fun party, so of course they're going to do it again. Yeah. I mean, don't do something, right? We're going to get into that a little bit. Someone, God tells you not to do something. Of course you're going to do it. How could you not? Well, also there's like a snake, which is a phallic symbol, and an apple, which is something you eat. An apple's kind of a booty shape symbol. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Forbidden fruit is eating booty. So yeah, there there are grapes, pomegranates, figs. Um, I actually don't know what a carob, etrog, citron, what those are. Quince. A citron is probably like a citrus. I would guess fruit, something yeah. like that. Yeah, or a car maybe. Yeah, that's a um, citron. A pear, mushrooms even. Um, tamarind. Tomatoes. Or, yeah, there's this whole thing about tomatoes being thought of as as poisonous, right? Like the no, <laughs> of them being thought of as nightshade. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, I think at a, at a for a time people were afraid to eat tomatoes. Are you sure it wasn't just or maybe because... eggplants because they're kind of related somehow, right? <sighs> I'm so confused right now. <laughs> and this is this blew my mind. Okay. So okay, my wife uh, Roshan, she sprinkled some almond powder onto her cereal yesterday and i said oh that looks tasty let me have some of that 
And then she said, it's not actually almond powder. Do you know what it is? Cyanide. <laughs> She's sprinkling cyanide on my cereal. Uh, no. <laughs> what is it? It's, um, what is the little orange fruit that's not an orange? Clementine? That's not a clementine. Mandarin? That's not a mandarin. <laughs> You're doing a It's bit like now. a small peach. It's like a, oh, apricot. Or, yeah, it's, okay. the, it's the nut seed thing from an apricot that's been ground into a dust. And it's tasty? It tastes like almond. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're related. Okay. Interesting. How much water does it take to grow one of those pits instead of... That's a good question. Yeah, because yeah. I know that that's a problem with almonds. In California, yeah, there's a big... Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so there are all these different theories about why it should be a grape, why it should be a fig. You know, like certain fruits being native to a certain area. Yeah. That would make sense, right? Different representations in art, for example, the fig that was, I think, depicted in the Sistine Chapel mm-hmm. ceiling. Oh, I didn't know that. Pomegranates would be native to modern day Iran and parts of the Middle East mm-hmm. where a lot of these myths probably began. Yeah. Even wheat. Some people say the the uh, berry of wheat might be somehow tied to this. Tied to what? <clears throat> this, uh, this thing of the forbidden fruit. Okay. And actually the grapefruit is called forbidden fruit in barbados apparently something about george washington but okay Okay. i brought a collection of myths that have to do with fruit okay or something forbidden okay frequently both okay so the first is so wait it's either fruit related or not fruit related but uh forbidden related yeah okay or forbidden fruit related so it's like Okay, so there's a several ver- like sometimes several... forbidden forbidden vegetables. Okay, or um, tubers, or what tubers? Forbidden tubers. Yeah, like roots. Okay, you you're you're just like bullying me with your knowledge <laughs> now, you asshole. <laughs> you know, <laughs> tubers. <laughs> That's he doesn't a, know that's what tubers That's a George W. Are. impression. That's <laughs> it's someone being tickled by themselves, I guess. I actually don't know if um, tuber is a vegetable. It might be redundant. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not trying to. I was you. literally thinking like people tubing, and I was like, "How does uh, you know?" This one comes from the Blackfeet tribe of Montana. A book called American Indian Genesis by Percy Bullchild. Um, so he's talking about Starman. Mm-hmm. He had gone through the file with the other men, and all of these men had seen us. You say Starman like I know who okay, that is. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So in a lot of these Native American myths, actually, there's um, there's a, a figure, a god, who will be somewhat cosmic in origins, um, or he'll be kind of like mixed with an animal deity of some kind. So like Spider Woman, Spider Man. Okay. Um, Starman in this case. So those are, you're not talking about, because all of these are comic book characters. Is Starman a yeah. comic? Oh, really? So yeah. they, they came from Native American okay. myths. All right. Yeah. Um, so Starman had gone through the file with the other men and all of these men had seen a special turnip out in the middle of a certain one of the many fields, a very large turnip. It must be four or five times bigger than the regular turnips. The leaves grew high and large. This star man having such powers to know what things were about knew this year was a year that wasn't going to be very good for him. He had dreamt about this long before now. I think I might be star man. 
Go ahead. <laughs> Don't pull up any turnips. If you, if you see okay. an extremely large turnip, just let it be. His wife, the selected... So that's what he does? He sees the turnip and he's like, it's going to be a shit year. I'm going to leave it there? Yeah. Okay. And he tells his wife not to pick it. Okay. But so... Ah, uh, he fucked up, man. <laughs> she wasn't going to pick it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Hear me, hear me, my wife, and stay away from that one large turnip. Everything went smoothly the first day. The second day of digging, all the women went out into the next field of turnips and immediately went to work. They hadn't worked too long before one of the older women said she was getting mighty hungry. She didn't have to say it again when all of them threw down their digging tools and in the same spot they all sat down to enjoy their lunch. So the wife has to go to the bathroom, so she runs off behind a bush. Uh huh. Not far from those bushes right along the way she took was this very, very large extra large turnip it had the biggest leaves on it and it was quite a bit higher than the rest of the field of turnips okay it was very hard for her to walk away from this turnip there was something about it that kind of pulled her into it Mm -hmm. this turnip had a strange force and she couldn't get it out of her mind i just find it interesting that there's no men working in this story yeah all the women in the field pulling up turnips right that's might might be so this is the black feet yeah okay interesting Go ahead. It had a a kind of magnetic force. So she walked around it a couple times looking at it. She picked it. She pulled it out. It left a huge hole in the ground. And she looked into that hole. And what did she see? Another turnip. Tears came to her eyes. (laughs) (laughs) It's turnips all the way down. (laughs) Tears came to her eyes as she laid there looking down into the hole. Almost directly below her was her people's camp. Her people's camp? She recognized many of the teepees. She saw people as small, tiny insects walking around down there. <sighs> Holy shit. She saw the world where she was stolen from, kidnapped when she was a young girl, as like a miniature uh-huh. world. Um, and because she pulled it as a punishment, she then was doomed to be sent back to her village. Where she had been kidnapped from. Where she had been kidnapped from. And so she, she got back sent and- back to where she unwillingly got taken from yeah exactly okay that's a weird story yeah (laughs) when you say it like that yeah yeah, (laughs) your punishment is to return home (laughs) interesting i'm sure something's lost in the translation Mm -hmm. i mean Uh, you are a white man telling me this story sorry so yeah does this remind you of the icelandic tale of the forbidden horse i mean except for the whole going back home and being there was there's no murder here but anyway, we can agree that there was a forbidden thing in both stories. Yes. Okay. My second myth comes from present day Guatemala from the text, the Popolva. One death and seven death. These are two characters. Marveled at the fruit of the tree for its round fruit was everywhere. Would it be heard if I were to pick one? Then spoke the skull there in the midst of the tree. What is it you desire of this? It is merely a skull, a round thing placed in the branch of a tree, said the head of Hunapu when it spoke to the maiden. You do not desire it, she was told. But I do desire it, said the maiden. Very well then, stretch out hither your right hand so that I may see it, said the skull. Very well, said the maiden. And so she stretched upward her right hand before the face of the skull. Then the skull squeezed out some of its saliva (laughs) (laughs) directed toward the hand of the maiden. When she saw this, she immediately examined her hand. My saliva, my spittle, is merely a sign that I have given to you. This head of mine no longer functions, for it is merely a skull that cannot work. Straight away, her children were created in her womb by the mere saliva. 
So wait, you know, <clears throat> if you actually hand me my dream journal back there, I had the exact same dream. This one? <laughs> no, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't actually need you to hand it to me. <laughs> wait, you actually had that dream? No, no. <laughs> But I, but I could have and forgotten it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, these were actually, most of the, the fruits on this tree were fruits, but one of the fruits was a looked skull. like a fruit, but it was actually a skull disguised as a fruit. Mm-hmm. And it spits on her hand and she becomes pregnant with, yeah, yeah, I, I with twins who play soccer. Is that like, how old is this uh, myth? Really old. How long has soccer been around? really long time i guess yeah okay this is pre-biblical um did they use the word soccer or did they call it it's definitely pre uh colonial okay hangout let's call it that (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you're allowed to do that Seth. (laughs) i might (laughs) you know when they invited the the spanish for the big party that they threw and then they came Mm -hmm. and they were like hey this is cool when they brought horses and they thought they were fucking man and uh beast did they think that yeah Hmm. uh so this is a really great um collection of stories anyway the popolva i highly recommend the Popolva? Popolva. But yeah, I think it's um it's probably like It's literally spelled P O P O L V. Yeah. There are also Chinese myths about peaches of heavenly eternal life and a monkey that ascends to heaven to steal the peaches mm-hmm. and then wars happen because of this theft. Okay. There are different uh, different cultures have similar things where there's some kind of a divine fruit which mm. is stolen. I think maybe there's a Greek myth that's similar yeah. too. Well, I mean, I'm sure the root of that is mostly you know people not wanting to get their fruit stolen from their trees, <laughs> right? <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fruit farmers were yeah. actually the original. Or uh, even if you, I'm sure cases. if I had a mango tree right now and I saw some dude climbing up in it and, <laughs> and carrying, I'd be like, yo, that fruit's forbidden, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I can just look out this window and see a tree full of loquats. What's a loquat? It's that little, oh, dude, they're delicious. And right. oranges, too. Okay. Those little tiny orange fruits over there. You know you're not speaking into a microphone, right? Loquats, they're, um, you know, kumquats. Yes. Loquats, they're like... That's the word that makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what it is. I just know it's a word. (laughs) Loquats are more mild. Of course they would be. The other ones are kumquats. (laughs) And these are loquats. They're less titillating than kumquats. Uh, I just want to point out that now you've basically shown me that there's forbidden fruit outside of my window and it has a net over it it has a net over probably it. To, i thought to keep birds out but to keep me out to keep you out probably <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you'll have known the story from the odyssey of the forbidden oxen the no. cattle of the sun that's another situation like don't okay, sleep sorry. with my oxen yeah don't sleep with my cows or eat them eat them yeah or both. I'm guessing one is a bigger need than the other. Yeah, one, probably one of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure which, but. <laughs> and possibly sheep, too. So oxen and sheep. 
Forbidden oxen and sheep. Uh, this is you just call them forbidden. I want to fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> the sun god who owned these sheep, Helios. The cattle were guarded by his daughters, Phaethusa and Lampete. <laughs> I'm laughing at your pronunciation. Lampetier. <laughs> If I've ever heard those names, there's no way I could tell if you're saying them right. <laughs> Tiresias and Circe, those are okay, right? Circe, yeah. Both warn Odysseus to shun the isle. When Eurylochus begs to be allowed to land to prepare supper, Odysseus grudgingly agrees on condition that the crew swear that if they come upon, you're looking at me funny, uh, come uh, upon cattle or sheep. <laughs> no, I actually wasn't looking at you funny. You just knew I was coming. <laughs> well played. No one will kill any of them. They are held on the isle for a month by an unfavorable storm sent by Poseidon. Again, you have, like like Freyfaxi, the horse. Uh-huh. It seems like there's this thing of the gods tempting to see if they will do what they're told not to do right so, so the gods are tempting the, humans. the storm forces them to stay on the island for a month they're getting really <laughs> there's <hungry>. no women <laughs> <laughs> they have an insatiable hunger <laughs> and they're testing what, what are a bunch of why do you test those poseidon <laughs> some sheep and some oxen yeah cook them up when odysseus goes up the island to pray (laughs) (laughs) off the guilt (laughs) eurycloches convinces the crew to drive off the best of the cattle of helios and sacrifice them to the gods quote if he be somewhat wroth for his cattle with straight horns and is fain to wreck our ship and the other gods follow his desire Rather, with one gulp at the wave, would I cast my life away than be slowly straightened to death in a desert isle. I don't know what straightened to death means. Starved to death? Maybe. When he returns to the ship, Odysseus rebukes his companions for disobeying his orders. Helios orders the gods to take revenge on the men. He threatens that if they do not pay him full atonement, he will take the sun to the underworld and shine it among the dead. Zeus promises Helios to smite their ship with a lightning bolt and cleave it in pieces in the midst of the ocean. Soon the gods show signs and wonders to Odysseus's men. The skins of the cattle begin creeping and the flesh bellowing upon the spits. Oh, hold on. I'm a little lost. So Odysseus comes back and then he prays and then he's like, I don't want to live like this if... <laughs> if eating cattle is wrong, then I don't want to be right. No, Odysseus did not eat the cattle. Okay, so, so his, di- his men drove were cooking it. He came back when they were cooking it. Okay, and somehow word came through that the gods were displeased about this, and they were like, "Yo, we're gonna take the sun to the underworld if you don't make right." On the this. sun, the sun. So the sun out of the sky into yeah. the underworld yeah. because um, these guys ate cows. Yeah. Everybody loses the sun. I don't know if they had eaten it yet or they were just cooking it. But while it was cooking, the skin started creeping and flesh started bellowing. 
and there was means, a sound like the voice of cattle. So they were hearing miraculous things, like the they were having auditory the meat hallucinations, was moving around, like as if it was alive again. Okay, so my steak pie. Murr. <laughs> 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 and then, so wait, what's the part where they drove all the cattle out? Well, that was that was when they stole the cattle. Okay, so so this that was before Odysseus came back. I think, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, for six days they ate the kine. On the seventh day, the wind changed. After they set sail, Zeus kept his word, and the ship was destroyed. And all of his men die, but Odysseus lives on. Because he didn't eat. Because he didn't eat it. So as I said, I've been reading more Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. Just so we can shit on him a second time. <laughs> we haven't shit on him once. Are we releasing that episode or are we re-recording that? I don't know. We'll have to listen to it and see. Uh. So there are, there are also similar stories of the indigenous people of Northwest and Alaska and the Arctic. Campbell calls them Eskimos, but I don't think that's actually... Um, well, we've already established he's not the most delicate. But their far north cultures had similar stories about Raven as a major figure who is the one who steals light or he somehow brings light into the world by mm-hmm. um, releasing the sun. Okay. <clears throat> There's a whole cast of trickster characters. Yeah, yeah. Coyotes, Raven. Um, yeah, I, it's such a bummer that we don't really have that. Mm-hmm. You know? I think well, we, we have Wile E. Coyote. That's probably the closest we No, can. I mean in like our, you know, our religion that we're very... You're, you're Catholic too, right? No. Uh, are you no. Baptist? I or? was never baptized, but I... Yeah, like my family, when they had weddings and funerals, it would happen in a Baptist church. Okay. That makes you like 30% whiter than I thought, by the way. What? That you that you grew up in a Baptist. Really? Yeah. No, I... Because uh, growing up, everybody was Catholic. <laughs> so, you know... So it's still it's still something that I that that throws me off. Like when mm. I realize people are not like we're. I mean, I'm but not. I a, went like once a year as a kid until I was like teenager. I, I don't even know what the difference is between Baptist ca- and other things. Honestly, yeah, no, I I, I actually want to do an episode on just distinguishing between all the yeah. different kinds of Christians. That, that might be, be cool. interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guessed it. <laughs> Baptist is always the first guess, and every time I'm right, I'm like, "Oh shit, it's true." <laughs> White people are Baptists. Really, I thought the the Southern Baptist thing was um. What is the? Southern I didn't say Baptist? Southern Baptist. I just said Baptist. Okay, but when I think when I hear Baptist, I would typically think more Southern Baptist. Like, yeah, that's just the only major cultural. Well, that just means that you guys that have for it. It's ironic that you didn't get baptized because you guys are big John the Baptist people, right? Look at my hands. They're all clenched because I'm talking about Jesus. <laughs> White knuckles. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, seriously. It's like... <laughs> I all thought right. you were going to make a dove and fly away. Woo! <laughs> 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 so um, here's a story about Raven. And Raven is like his name as well, right? Yeah. Not the yeah. Raven. And I think actually it's a man. So in many cases, um, these animal figures will, will be humans who are they put on a mask and they sort of become this animal figure okay so raven is a man who just puts on a mask and then he becomes raven so he somehow tricked 
a, a whale into swallowing him. So he got into the belly of a whale and um, discovered that there was a lamp burning. And then on the other side of the room, there was a beautiful girl. The room was dry and clean, the whale's spine supporting the ceiling and the ribs forming the walls. From a tube that ran along the backbone, oil dripped slowly into the lamp. Um, the girl looked up and said, how did you get here? You are the first man to enter this place. So she told him to take a seat. It turns out she was the soul of the whale. Mm-hmm. Um, she gave him food and berries and oil and invited him to stay as long as he needed. But then she went away. And while she was away, he did the one thing that he was forbidden to do, which is to eat the oil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> eat the oil. Why is there oil here? It's For the like, lamp. Okay. Not whale oil. No, it is. Well, you'll find out. It's um, Every time she left the room, she forbade him to touch it. But now when she went out, he walked over to the lamp, stretched out his claw and caught on it a big drop, which he licked off with his tongue. It was so sweet that he repeated the act and then proceeded to catch drop after drop. His greed found this too slow. And so he reached up, broke off a piece of the tube and ate it. Hardly had he done so when a great gush of oil poured into the room, extinguished the light. And the chamber itself began to roll heavily back and forth. This went on for days. He was almost dead with fatigue, but then the whale died and washed ashore. Mm-hmm. And so he just had to come out. And leave. It, it continues on. There's a whole other, <laughs> like, um, there's a group of people who find the whale okay. and try to eat it, but then they find the raven left some stuff inside. Mm-hmm. And that's like a bad sign if they find stuff inside the whale. You're not supposed to eat it. It has some kind of like spiritual significance for like a much bigger forbidden thing so. well that because you're eating something that ate a human <clears throat> i wonder if anybody has ever survived being inside of a fucking whale it's mm. such a recurring thing yeah i it, it must be or is it like a thing where it's like look at how big this animal is and then we'll get a, a we'll, we'll start a myth i mean we wouldn't we wouldn't likely know if they had because if they had it wouldn't have been any time recently right i don't know maybe a surfer yeah i think i think that might have to do with just like the amazement of how fucking huge they are well the belly of the whale thing it's interesting how that became a middle east based myth because there aren't so many whales in that area right i mean you see like pretty much every native animal to the northwest would make an appearance in myths from that area hmm you know, like beavers and bears and ravens and coyotes and frogs. So it makes sense the whale would be part of their myths, but then how it becomes a Jonah and the whale thing. I don't know. No. So there's, yeah, there's another one uh, that comes from the Zuni in the American Southwest. And um, again, the sun and the moon are kept in boxes. And in this case, the coyote is the trickster. So the eagle is flying with the box or the boxes that have the sun and the moon in them. Mm-hmm. And the coyote's trying to trick the eagle into letting him carry it. Mm-hmm. Eagle keeps saying, no, 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 no. You're not trustworthy. I'm going to carry it myself. Finally, yeah. the, the coyote tricks him by saying like, oh, I feel guilty for you having to carry those boxes for so long. Let me take a turn. And then as soon as he gets the boxes, he goes behind a bush and opens them and looks inside they escape mm-hmm. and this is how winter comes <laughs> because okay. the sun sails off like a balloon into the sky okay and it becomes very cold because the sun's no longer it's nearby. very far yeah. yeah i feel like i disappointed you with my reaction no, no. <laughs> 
I just thought you were going to say something. You had a <laughs> moment of a, uh, a loaded silence. A loaded silence. It just that didn't go where I thought it was going to go. That a similar um, scenario appears in a lot of different stories with them being in boxes. Like there's another one with a <clears throat> a town, a city which is just always in nighttime, mm-hmm. and they get jealous of their neighboring town which has the lights. And so I think again it's the either the coyote or the, or the raven that steals the sun from them and brings it back to their mm-hmm. culture or their their town. But then. I think they don't know how to manage it, so it becomes too hot and all the crops burn up or something. Wow. Um, this one I, I thought of you because it has to do with dreaming. Okay. This is... I am the, the only human being that's ever dreamed. Well, not the only, but you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> this comes from Ireland. and uh, Speak into your mic. Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am part Irish, so I can do a bad impersonation. <laughs> I'm not, and I still get away you with it. You can still do it. It's fine. Oisin, I believe his name is pronounced Oisin. Oisin. Oi, son. <laughs> he had descended consciously awake into the kingdom of the unconscious. Uh-huh. And had incorporated the values of the subliminal experience into his waking personality. A transmutation had been affected, but precisely because of this highly desirable circumstance, the dangers of his return were the greater. Since his entire personality had been brought into accord with the powers and forms of timelessness, all of them stood to be refuted. The king's daughter in a place called the Land of Youth, mm-hmm. he was, I don't know how he got there, but he was there and he met her. She appeared to him with a pig head sexy and suggested that he marry her to dispatch with the spell of the pig head mm-hmm. and he did immediately and then she was of course beautiful and so he lived for a long time with her in the land of youth things were going pretty well but then one day rolls around and he's like i kind of want to visit my hometown and go back and see my parents it's been a while and she was like i don't want to see your see, meet my in-laws <laughs> so she asked how long do you think it's been since you came here and he says about three years no it is 300 years since you came to this kingdom so if you must go i'll leave you this white horse to carry you but if you must come down from your horse or touch the soil with your foot the horse will come back that minute and you'll be where he left you a poor old man Mm -hmm. what does he do of course he fucks up okay yep he touches the ground while attempting to reach a horn that was under a rock. A horn is what? A musical okay. horn. All right. Which he was planning on tooting on. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like milking a cow, but like into my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, no one saw it. <laughs> I didn't have to tell them what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to play the horn, which would call his ancestors, and then he could have this nice reunion, but he couldn't quite reach it. And the guy who was, this is actually almost kind of like a Monty Python figure who's off, <laughs> <laughs> he's off to the side, and, and the guy's like, Excuse me, sir, can you help me reach this horn? <laughs> Bugger off! <laughs> Can you help me reach my horn? 
<laughs> He's like, no one can lift that horn. It's a, a thousand men who couldn't lift that horn. <laughs> And so he's kind of like, all right, then fuck you. <laughs> and then he reaches down. And of course, he kind of like falls off the horse and end of story. You got so sad, Seth. Well, I feel like it's a bit like living in L.A. Like we just have no concept of time passing here. Yeah. You don't feel yourself rotting in Los Angeles. Yeah. But, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to go <laughs> and, t- and pick up a trumpet somewhere <laughs> and get stuck there. I'm OK not knowing. Yeah. You don't want to go to winter land? No, I'm all right. I'll just briefly stop on Pandora. Okay. You can see how Pandora could fit into this whole thing. Mm -hmm. The box, don't open it. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen if you do? I actually don't know the original myth. So like what is inside that box? Well, in the original myth, it's actually not a box, but it's a jar, which apparently is called Pithos. Okay. I don't know how that relates to Pathos. Pithos. Pithos. I don't know. Uh, but it's sometimes mistranslated as Pandora's box. So this, the curiosity of this, what's inside here, it gets released and it comes out and all these evils mm-hmm. are released into the world, which were not there before. Mm-hmm. And like the, <clears throat> the biblical forbidden fruit, uh, this, this kind of misogynist thing of the woman is the one who brought Evil. bad stuff yeah, into yeah. the world right it's not always the woman there are examples of men being mm-hmm. the ones but you can find just so many where it's the woman yeah um and they think that it may have kind of come from this from what from the greek uh the pandora myth i think this was an influence like before this it may not have been so anti-woman but this kind of changed some things you sure you want to say that no, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just read what's here. This is from Wiki. <laughs> Not my fault. It's inaccurate. The Pandora myth is a kind of theodicy addressing the question of why there is evil in the world. Okay, so uh, this comes from Hesiod, 8th to 7th centuries BC. Oh, yeah. So that, that if that is the timing, then that does kind of make sense, potentially. Yeah. Um, so he never gave Pandora's name in that one, but then he revisited the myth later and named her in Works and Days, a later piece. Um, so in this version, she releases all of these toils into the world, but the thing that escapes, that does not escape, is hope. Mm. Hope is the only thing that is left in the jar. Okay. Hesiod also outlines how the end of man's golden age... Wait, are we done with uh, the Pandora's myth? It's a transition. Okay, because... I was going to say that in DC Comics, when Pandora's box is open, Mm -hmm. they bring in the crime syndicate, which is Uberman, Superwoman, Johnny Quick, Grid, and a bunch of other versions of Superman and Wonder Woman and all these things. Mm -hmm. And then they have Forever Evil, which is a a, a series that came off after that. And it's pretty cool. (laughs) So that's why I like that's tainted my idea <laughs> of Pandora. And I was like, what actually comes out when you open that fucking box? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's... But it's pretty similar. Uh-huh. They opened to Earth 3, which is the evil Earth. Really? You know, I, I, I need to read some of these comic books or watch the movies because I think probably maybe, read the comic books. I think, yeah, there are, from what it sounds like, a lot of parallels, like also the multiple worlds thing. Oh, yeah. That's another Native American. Well, I was showing you because I'm reading the Invisibles for a future podcast, but I was showing you Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison has 
uh, a set of books called, or uh, it's got it's the Multiversity series, mm. and it's all about all the different universes in the DC huh. world. So it goes, uh, it, it it's really interesting. There's like worlds where just you know Shazam exists, and it's all like that comic book. It's it it, it get but. <clears throat> You know, like there's one Earth where all the superhero, uh, all the superheroes saved everything, and like there's no more crime, and so you have all these superpowered celebrity type characters, and they're like dealing with their angst, and uh, one of them kills themselves, and she's the first superhero to kill themselves, hmm. uh, and so it's really it, 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 there's some really interesting stuff there. I mean, the the comic book world gets a lot of shit because it's like traditionally for kids but there's mm-hmm. a lot of relative uh, relevant like things that have to do with science that and and you know just in general just mm-hmm. cool shit mm. cool ideas grant morrison is one of the best like i read his books and i'm like i i have to read just very slowly because it's 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 almost like reading isaiah berlin it's so dense mm-hmm. and and you can really miss what's happening mm-hmm. so yeah Hmm. Um, just the wording of this kind of fits in. So um, Hesiod is talking about how, in a way, this Pandora thing is, it marks the end of man's golden age, mm-hmm. um, which was an all-male society of immortals who were reverent to the gods, worked hard, and ate from abundant groves of fruit. Um, so Prometheus stole fire from Mount Olympus, apparently, mm-hmm. and gave it to mortal man. Zeus punished the technologically advanced society by creating women. Is mm-hmm. that accurate? I don't know. The opening of the jar serves as the beginning of the Silver Age, in which man is now subject to death, and with the introduction of women to birth as well, giving rise to the cycle of death and rebirth. Okay. So this is not me. This is Wikipedia, but it sounds conceivable that it is. Well, misogyny in... Yeah. in uh what's it called in religion is not (laughs) hard to conceive of um nietzsche argued that zeus did not want man to throw his life away no matter how much the other evils might torment him but rather to go on letting himself be tormented anew to that end he gives man hope in truth it is the most evil of evils because it prolongs man's torment hope is the most evil of evils yeah so and that's what stayed in the jar yeah, the Pandora's Box theme. The MacGuffin in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, the Pulp Fiction MacGuffin. Um, so there are a few interesting examples of that. Uh, Kiss Me Deadly is a great one. Is it a movie? Yeah, it's an old noir, Hollywood noir film. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's a box that should not be opened. Um, when it is opened, it releases this highly unstable radionuclide material which explodes and everything bursts into flames so it's kind of like this uh, nuclear apocalypse scenario where you don't want to know what's in that like once you have that knowledge it's just downhill from there yeah yeah kind of like curiosity killed the cat so but pulfishin um repo man i've never seen ronin i don't think but apparently there's a similar use of uh, MacGuffin. yeah in that that movie's just all car chases oh okay <laughs> there might be even a scene where they get out of the cars they're driving and <laughs> off into other cars. <laughs> this is Ronan. Yeah the 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 what's his name movie. Um, I know De Niro. Niro. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, Repo Man is kind of one big car chase, too, in a way. Really? Where the car itself is kind of the, the MacGuffin. MacGuffin. They open the trunk, and then usually there's some kind of golden light that yeah, shines yeah. out. In that case, again, it's radioactive. Mm-hmm. In Pulp Fiction, I don't think we ever find out what... No, it's like a true MacGuffin. Yeah, true. So there, you're, you're exactly putting me where I want to be here, because I have a list of different kinds of MacGuffins. And maybe for the listener who isn't familiar with it, the MacGuffin is a plot device. A very Scottish one. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> In the form of some goal, a desired object or other motivator that the protagonist pursues, often with little or no narrative explanation. So its importance is not the object itself, but rather its effect on the characters and their motivations. Um, sometimes by the end of the movie, it's totally forgotten and left behind. It just kind of it moves the, the narrative along. Mm-hmm. Um, so some examples, the Holy Grail, the Maltese Falcon statuette. Yeah. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, I guess, popularized the term with the 39 Steps. And he has kind of a great explanation of it. 39 Steps is a movie he did? Yeah. It might be a scottish name taken from a story about two men on a train one man says what's the package up there in the baggage rack and the other says answers oh that's a macguffin the first one asks what's a macguffin well the other man says it's an apparatus for trapping lions in the scottish highlands the first man says but there are no lions in the scottish highlands and the other one says well then that's no macguffin (laughs) so then you see a macguffin is actually nothing at all uh, he came back to it in <clears throat> a bunch of different films, but also Indiana Jones. Um, I think the people's problem with that movie wasn't the MacGuffin, but that there were aliens involved, no? I actually don't remember that. I all. haven't seen it. The Crystal Skull? Oh, that was 2008. Yeah. That's the newest that. one. I did not see that. Uh, another great example, which you mentioned, is the Pulp, Fixture, Pulp Fiction. This device closely adheres to the characteristic of little to no narrative explanation by never revealing the glowing contents of the briefcase, despite being quintessentially priceless and violently coveted by many major characters. Another example of a MacGuffin is the car in Dude, Where's My Car? That's definitely one of the best. That that movie's actually really fun. (laughs) And math. But incredibly racist. Oh. (laughs) There's a bit with with a um, drive-through that's not very <laughs> kind to Asians. Oh, okay. Yeah. And another one is math talent in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how good Goodwill Hunting is going to hold up. I think maybe the movie itself. Goodwill Hunting will be classic forever. How could it not? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it lately, but I did cry my eyes out the first time I saw it. All right. This podcast is done. This is from all the tropes.wikia.com slash wiki slash MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. So um, some other types of MacGuffins. Artifact of attraction, if the object itself is inherently irresistible. Artifact of doom, when the MacGuffin doubles as the main antagonist. Clingy MacGuffin, inversion of this trope, its most important attribute is that the person who has it wants to be rid of it. Mm-hmm. Dismantled MacGuffin. The MacGuffin is split into several parts and hidden in different places. The Horcrux. Hmm? The Horcrux in... That's where... Never mind. Spoiler alert. Okay. It's uh, It's got to do with wizards and Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Don't spoil that. I still need to see that. Plot coupons are often... That's uh, another term for that kind of MacGuffin. Egg MacGuffin. That is a MacGuffin that is an egg. 
<laughs> Free sample plot coupon. The first MacGuffin is given or found with zero effort compared to subsequent ones. Going to see the elephant. <laughs> Taking a trip with no serious purpose, the reason for the trip may be a MacGuffin or may not. Uh-huh. Hostage for MacGuffin, the heroes have the MacGuffin, the villain has a hostage and wants the MacGuffin. Trade you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying, please take my MacGuffin. <laughs> <laughs> That's Green Lantern. A character has the MacGuffin, she dies after giving the MacGuffin to another character, usually the heroes, and asking them to take care of it. Just eat the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin is a lot more trouble than it's worth and may as well just be destroyed. Living MacGuffin, a living being who serves as the MacGuffin. A MacGuffin full of money. MacGuffin delivery service. You just really like saying MacGuffin. MacGuffin escort mission. Let's see if we still know what the word means at the end of this. MacGuffin girl. MacGuffin girl. MacGuffin guardian. MacGuffin location. Stop me if you want the definition. For no, else. just give me the definitions. This is the end of it, right? Yeah. Go for it. MacGuffin location. The MacGuffin isn't a thing. It's a place. That's kind of obvious, right? MacGuffin melee. When multiple groups searching for the MacGuffin find it at the same time and a fight breaks out. <laughs> What's the MacGuffin woman? MacGuffin girl is the MacGuffin is transformed into a living being, usually a girl. Okay. That would be Buffy season, the last season before they changed networks. The sister. Okay. MacGuffin title. You um, didn't have to say you hadn't seen it. It's assumed at this uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the MacGuffin is right there in the title of the work. MacMuffin. The MacGuffin has been replaced with something unexpected or comical. Okay. <laughs> what would that be? MacMuffin. A McMuffin. Memento MacGuffin. People got way too much fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the film industry, there are just so many obscure terms for things. Yeah. It's like, it's endless, really. What's the point of having these fucking terms? You're going to have to explain them to somebody. Because if you're in the industry, then you feel like you're on the inside by by using it. If you are telling me that everybody in the film industry knows this entire list of MacGuffins, I'm going to call bullshit. It's like any Wikipedia page. You've probably heard of a few. Yeah. But then a lot of them are just some guy in his basement. Like, yeah. Frustrated that Tinder's not working out. Yeah. Mineral MacGuffin. It's a, a gem or a jewel. Uh, what's it called? Romancing the Stone? Mm-hmm. Yep. No MacGuffin, no winner. No MacGuffin, no winner? Yep. Neither side wins. Neither side gets it. Okay. Pirate booty. I mean, that just sounds like a good time. The president's daughter. <laughs> Ooh, Ivanka. <laughs> <laughs> it's his MacGuffin for sure. <laughs> oh, dude, that guy wants to fuck his daughter so bad. Ransacked room is what the bad guys do when they suspect the good There's, guys already have the MacGuffin. Yeah. Soundstone. This list is weird, though, because they don't all qualify as the same thing. Soundstone. What's soundstone? It's a sound rather than a thing or a thing that must be used to produce a sound. Stolen MacGuffin reveal. It was actually a fake or stolen before okay. the thief got it. Timeline altering and otherwise impo- unimportant item from the future that if left in the past during time travel will have serious consequences so like if we it's leave gotta be back I, to the iPhone. future and something no i'm saying i think it's like if you leave an iPhone. well the almanac oh, back to the yeah, future yeah, too the that would be yep. the, the, the one hey if you want to follow us on instagram or tweet at us 
We are at What's My Thesis, at Seth Lauer, and at Javier Proenza. And if you have any interesting dream journal entries, we'd love to read them on the show. You can send those to whatsmythesis at gmail.com.